Welcome one, and also welcome all, to this, a podcast. It is called Riverdoos and River Don'ts. What happens on the show is that we watch an episode of Riverdale and break it down for you in exhausting detail. Then enumerating the Riverdoo, the thing that we like. The River Don't, the thing that sucks. And the Weekly Weird, the strangeness that sort of makes Riverdale the unique experience that it is. Um, just gonna be candid with you folks. This episode's gonna be a little heavy on the river don't. A little light on the river do. <laughs> What's that smell? It's a stinker. Indeed. This particular stinker is season three, episode 14. Chapter 49, Fire Walk With Me. Directed by Marisol Adler and written by Aaron Allen, who I'm gonna have some issues with. Uh, because... This title is not a good title for this episode. Uh, there are uh, we'll, at we'll, least two Twin Peaks fans in the chat, listeners. We'll talk about it's it. It's a problem. We'll talk about it. Uh, wowza. Anyway, to guide you through this maelstrom of shit, I am Rob. I'm Quinn. And I'm Arlie. Yeah, there's... The only way out is through, folks. So let's... Let's begin. Jughead starts us off by reading a real estate listing for the erstwhile Cooper home as Alice shows the house. And folks, Betty just lets fly at the prospective buyer. She just really fucking tanks it. She's just like, hey, this is the house where my dad, the notorious serial killer, made us watch snuff films. And my mom knocked him out with a shovel. Also, we killed a guy who was right over there. I don't think she actually mentions the, the shady man's death. Yeah, maybe not. But the, the other stuff, definitely, yes. Yeah, I mean, my first question in this situation, though, was, isn't this just known as the Black Hood House? And it turns out Betty is dedicated to keeping the cause alive. Yeah, yeah. there was like a whole thing in season two where people were like swarming their house, uh, trying to like get photos with them and stuff. It'll be interesting to see if Alice is as upset as she should be about this, or if this is simply a comedy bit. They thought it would be funny if Betty said these things, and so she did. I thought it was funny, but... <laughs> it was funny. But she's literally trying to sabotage the sale of the home, and being very successful by all by all accounts. Uh, so that that's pretty wild. Just a small thing here. Um, there there is most certainly someone at the CW who is familiar with the um with the the like behind the scenes process for selling a home, because on another CW show I also saw that they had like actual MLS uh pages printed out, which they don't typically have available to the public when you're looking at buying homes. Which I thought was weird. Um, but MLS is, it's a multiple listing service. It's a thing that people use in real estate. And I know this because I work in real estate anyways. It's just mm -hmm. a very weird small detail that caught my eye on two completely different genres of CW shows. So hmm. I'm like, is this... So somebody somebody's also doing real estate over at CW. Or like they know somebody who's yeah. very, I don't know. It was it was weird for me. I was like, ah, that's, that's, that's my job. <laughs> anyway. This episode is not as much rapid-fire one-beat scenes as the previous episode was, but there is a hell of one next. Archie is offered a gig doing chores around the gym in lieu of paying gym dues. Okay, that's the scene. Yep. That's it. We just need to check in with Archie within the first X minutes of the show, I guess. Even if nothing is happening. The farm club at school, the school farm, and the student council, led by Cheryl, with PP heavies in tow argue over who gets to use a classroom. And, like, there are some G&G &G freaks just literally physically in the middle of the room as this happens, not cinematically framed as having any direct affiliation with the farm. And, like, these groups of students just sort of square up and fight, like, physically fight. Mm -hmm. 
What? And then two <gasps> people who weren't even there when the fighting happened got chastised for it. Yeah. Yep. Principal Weatherby speaks to Tony Topaz and Jughead. And it is very funny to me that the principal knows that they are in charge of gangs and just casually acknowledges that you, two students who go to my school, are the leaders of gangs. It's terrible. And he does... You're, he has you're, a, you're still allowed to be here. He, um, he speaks like fucking Foghorn Leghorn. I, I feel like his accent gets more egregious every time he's on screen. Maybe. Turns out a bunch of drug cooking supplies have been recently stolen from the chem lab. The plot thickens. <laughs> the plot congeals. Ew. At... The Bonhui, Gladys and Hiram live it up, putting all of the costs they're incurring on Veronica due to her huge debt to Hiram. Veronica feels that the answer to their monetary problems is a further flirtation with the gambling racket via Mafia Boyfriend, because the progressively more horrifying rot of Veronica's brain shall not be stopped nor slowed. And like last episode, she was all about what's legal versus what's not. That was last episode, baby. Today is today. (laughs) Veronica, I have something to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) None of gambling is legal. Well, some of gambling is legal, but not where you're at. Nuh-uh. It's it's fucking weird. Josie meets up with Archie at the gym after hours, and they discover a mysterious (laughs) child. (laughs) A little boy. Just a kid. His name's Ricky. He's playing with a lighter in a back room. Me, honestly. Yeah, just like... Because uh, just... you hear, like, the lighter clicking, and it's like, oh, shit, is someone trying to send, like, light the... Oh, shit, is someone trying to light the boxing gym on fire? The answer is no. It's just little Ricky. No. <laughs> they rolled child on the random encounter table. <laughs> they take him to Pops. One mention of social service as he tries to bolt. Uh, He does not want to go back to the youth home that he was assigned to because they branded him a tiny cherubic child with a gargoyle rune. We are expected, at least at this point in the episode, to understand that there are people out there branding the flesh of children because of how much they like a role-playing game. Just, you know, keeping score here. Mm Mm-hmm. Ricky gets set up in Archie's room, which, while horrendously inappropriate, may be the only option if social services is putting kids in gargoyle branding jail. <sighs> yeah, it's a lot. Like that, the episode's already taken a turn. Sorry, I, I was thinking about gargoyle brand jails. <laughs> ah, yes. I couldn't come up with anything beyond that, but it made me chuckle. It's a horrible logo. You go to branding jail. <laughs> um. Anyway. <laughs> Cheryl does just a shitty power play suggesting that Tony needs to put up with her inconsiderate behavior because she has a cool house and the PPs need a cool place to hang out and this sucks. Who's got a house with a pool? I hate this so much. I hate it so much. Makes me very angry. Yeah, because it sucks. It's terrible. It's not a thing that season three Cheryl should be doing. Season one Cheryl, perhaps. Season three Cheryl... We should have moved past this by now. And yeah. I feel like in some uh, If I was an epidemiologist, I would be concerned that uh, Cheryl had contact with Alice. I just, I, I, I feel like in previous episodes of season three, we've seen Cheryl be better than this. So this makes me very oh, yeah. angry. The main four catch up with one another and Kevin mean mugs them as he passes by with his new cult friends. <laughs> it's so funny because they're all dressed like these like little, like little soft boys. 
in yeah. their little sweater. It's very like cottage core the way they're dressed, and he's just yes. like, "I'm being mean to you." Rah. It's true. Archie receives advice from his buds about what to do with the homeless child he has now added to his JRPG party. Betty later confronts Kevin about the farm being bad news, but it is too late, my friends. It took but one episode for Kevin's characterization to fully decompose. Welcome to the girl zone, Kevin. (laughs) I didn't didn't realize that's what you meant by girl zone. That's the girl zone, where your characterization just melts (laughs) for no reason. Kevin has entered the girl zone. You hate to see it. Jughead asks the serpents who stole this fucking drug stuff, and Kurtz is like, Hell yeah, dude, we stole it. It was for G&G, and it was awesome. I love drugs. I love selling drugs. I love stealing drugs. I love stealing the stuff that you make drugs with. I'm a drugs man. Drugs, drugs, drugs. (laughs) I love drugs, and I love eating drugs, and I love doing drugs, and I love sniffing drugs, and I love making drugs. My name's Kurtz. You might have heard about me. And the drugs. <laughs> the OG serpents and erstwhile gargoyles do some chest thumping, and Jughead lays down the law. And by lays down the law, I mean lays down the laws. The serpent laws. <laughs> serpent it doesn't go well. It does not go well. Kurtz basically says, fuck off, it's my gang now because your mommy said so. That is yep. true. I play by a different set of rules, Kurtz says. <sighs> rules, get it? Because it's like a game, like G&G. <laughs> It is Bonwee gambling time now, though. Children gambling. Wee, it's cool. Okay, so hold on. Hold on. I got questions. This immediately got me asking questions. They're canonically in, like, deep financial straits. So they're like, we don't have two pennies to rub together right now. Right? Where'd they get this casino equipment? Because if they're running it through Elio, that just creates another complication. She was like, we've made some upgrades. I'm like, with what money? I thought you were broke as shit. I do have a possible alternative theory to what's going on here. Because we see how easy it is to convert and hide every gambling element. I think they've simply replaced the interior of the Bonwee with a transformer, but a transformer that transforms into gambling instead of a fighting robot. They simply befriended some bizarre evolutionary offshoot of Autobots and Decepticons and installed their new friend. What would those in be the called? Bonwee. Gambletrons? Sure, why not? But yeah, you can hide all the stuff, like all of the tables and whatnot, like seamlessly reincorporate into the environment. Absent only is the warp, 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 warp. <laughs> and yes, this would cost an insane pile of money to do. And if they DIY'd it, it would look like complete shit and it wouldn't work because they're Correct. stupid teenagers. But don't worry about it, which is the theme of this episode, yeah. and perhaps this, and perhaps this season. They tell you to keep it greasy every time something happens. They're like, "Keep it loose, baby. Just <laughs> let it all out. Let it all out. Ooh, wiggle those bones. We're good to go." <laughs> Jughead goes to FP about his honorless gang member problem, and he says, "Have you considered taking your belt out?" Yeah, basically, FP points out that if Jughead was a better leader or a leader at all, they would have more focus as a gang. Because right now, they're just a gang who wear jackets. <laughs> they're just just some folks who wear jackets. And lounge. Well, they lounge well, as lot. we all know, jackets are what make a gang. Mm-hmm. Gang members are only ever jacketed teenagers. That's correct. Pop informs Archie that, and I quote... A group of thugs saw Ricky through the windows and started banging on the glass. 
Apparently he ran away and they took off after him. I really wish that they had filmed that scene. It would have been really funny. All I'm thinking of, though, A is... child! <laughs> child! Bum, 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 child! All I can think of is that one vine with the really old lady standing outside of an establishment. My cat has just knocked my phone on the floor. Standing outside of an establishment, and she's, like, banging on the window. She's like, whoa! <laughs> that's all I can fucking think of. Yep. That's, it's, it's a very strange situation that he has described. <laughs> A group of thugs. Ricky left a parting gift, however, a creepy gargoyle king drawing in crayon on a placemat. Yep. Folks, not only is that good enough to cut a scene on, it's good enough to power some more plot later. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the funniest shit in the world. Uh, uh, they're, they're handling some very dark themes irresponsibly. Let's say that. Oh, yeah. They're like, hey, this super traumatized child I say is, uh, accidentally. Ugh. Like, they're not even fucking thinking about it. It's terrible. Ugh. Betty does some snooping on the farm club meeting and sees Kevin burning his fucking palm with a Bunsen burner. <laughs> then we go to the wide well, that, and see that it's actually all the kids doing this. That got me going like, are you supposed to lock those up? Isn't that part of the rules? You gotta lock them up. Oh, my, o- my only note there is Farmies, you're not special, because when I was, like, 19, I got really into lighters, and I would just, like, hold a lighter under my hand, not even as, like, a like a hurting thing, just, like, eh, it's hot fire, fire's cool. Um, so it was, I don't know. But yeah, you're probably supposed to lock those up, because, uh, danger. You'd think. Danger. Yeah. And kids but are stupid. They're, they just, they love burning themselves, it's great. Um, I bet you that's why this episode is called Fire Walk With Me. <laughs> you think we'll get to it <laughs> no we'll get to it now this episode is titled fire walk with me because fire appears in the episode a couple times well, and someone walks on oh shit yeah that's yeah. lit i forgot about the okay god damn it like they watched a later scene and they were like oh there's sure a lot of fire in this episode oh look and he walks on it <laughs> fire walk with it's me. A reference. <laughs> we're so smart <laughs> we're so smart this is this is what writing is uh... <laughs> Betty and Archie meet with, what's her name? The social worker. And her nondescript white dude friend, who now exists, uh, to catch them up on the Ricky situation. And for some reason, I love this, uh, this dude has a sketch of Ricky rather than a photograph. (laughs) And it's on a board, like, taped down or banded down, clipped Uh, down. Like, he just fucking drew it. It's a combination of a clip and a rubber band. Yeah. Uh, It's secured on the board like he just fucking drew it. What is going on with this? Like I think they, she brought a sketch. He's already artist. in the system. He's in the system. They have his photograph. Like, this dude just felt like drawing a kid. They knew what shelter he was at. They had his first name, which we learn later in the episode is enough to find him in the shelter system. Uh-huh. So like why couldn't they have just gotten a photo from the... <sighs> Frankly, the only reason social services don't have his last name is because it's being used as a reveal later yes, in the episode. That's like, the obviously, they both have his photograph and his full name. There is no way they don't. Uh, this is very, very dumb. Also, like, well, I'll, I'll get to it later. Hiram loves the casino idea because he is hoping to sell prison labor to a playing card company. <laughs> Veronica wants some debt easement if she helps him land the business deal, 5% to be exact. She didn't even start highballing the negotiation. No, she just went, like, the smallest amount she possibly could have. What the fuck? Yeah, it's pre- like, it's, you start I mean, at 50 and you work your way down to, like, 15. You don't start do we at expect, 5. 
do we expect Veronica not to be dumb at this point? I don't know. I expect anything to happen that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) In the very next scene, Gladys suddenly informs Veronica that she used to be a singer and she wants to perform again. Folks, if you guessed that Veronica then agrees to let her sing in exchange for, say, 5% off of her debt... Well, you'd be right. Part of this scene that absolutely floored me was being reminded of the spelling of the white worm via the subtitles. Oh, yeah. No. The, the, it's Y's all the way down. And it's, it's so very fucking funny. stupid. Worm. But it's real funny that she does that. Like, okay, I'll do it in exchange for 5%. At which point, Tim Robinson kicks in the door, runs down, grabs Veronica by the shoulders and says, Stop scamming adults into thinking they're stars! Like, I just want to point out that, like, do we know how much money Veronica owes? Okay, she owes, owes 75 k 75000 I thought it was seven hundred fifty, but uh, but it's... I think it's seventy five k. Um, no, I think it was seventy five. That 000, seems more correct. Uh, <laughs> and I have absolutely zero idea how much she owes Gladys. I guess however much Gladys paid for the equipment, so perhaps also seventy five thousand. It might be seventy five to each. I can't tell. We because th- all they said in the thing with Gladys was like, "Oh, I want an episode of of uh, Ozark or whatever the fuck she said." Right. And like they wrote down the number on a piece of paper and it's like, this is how much you owe. And they were like, <laughs> and then they didn't stay consistent with that. And Hiram was like, it's 75,000, you piece of shit. Yeah. So like, let's just for fun, assume that that is also like roughly what she owes Gladys. This means that Gladys is agreeing to pay $3,750 to get up on stage and sing a bad song later. Because she used to be the Joan Jet of Riverdale. She got scammed. <laughs> it's, uh... I mean, it's, it's, in it's that amazing. sense, the grift is pretty good. Like, 5% for Gladys singing is a pretty pretty good con. Well, but, it's just well, fucking shocking that this is agreed to. It's so Because the implication to me, like, if we follow through the other stuff... Is if anything, if it's not seventy five k, it's more money. I'm expecting that Gladys is a higher tier in the amount of money if it's not equal. You would so expect because that she is was a buying like a minimum. ton of equipment, and that's probably yeah, it's probably worth more than the raw materials are worth. Right, because theoretically she would have been then using that equipment to make more money, but right. Yeah. So she spent so at it's least like at least three k. Oh god, yeah. But at also, least, so this is at least nearly four thousand dollars to sing a song. But nearly four thousand dollars <laughs> for signing a, a million dollar deal, which is what Hiram at some point says that that would have been or would be or whatever, makes actual sense. Well, I feel like it's maybe not enough. Like she should have tried yeah, harder no, yeah, on that again, one. She oh yeah, she harder. certainly should have tried to negotiate harder. Even if she'd she ended up at five, she should have started higher. Right, like oh, start yeah. from a position of strength. Because that's just going and assuming well, this oh, deal's worth more gonna... than ten times her debt. She should have started high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Betty sits down with Josie and tells her we need to talk about Kevin. It's a reference. Oh, Someone fuck. will get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is, that's Josie the supplies yep. little uh, other than the fact that Kevin has been sneaking out, likely to meet with farm folks out in the woods. I thought he was just doing more gay woods meetups that are mm-hmm. also very dangerous. But I guess it's the but... farmies. There's no serial killer murdering people right now, and oh no, I realize he is in a cult. Oops. (laughs) 
I mean, in all fairness, that's kind of a very teenagery way to uh, interpret that situation. Yeah, it's probably just horny, right? <laughs> <sighs> I mean, in a sense, that's kind of why he joined the farm. Indeed, because he was horny. Mm. Archie takes the spooky kid's drawing to Jughead as though it will help something (laughs) and tells him about the Ricky situation. Now, this is oddly consistent with how Jughead was able to take, like, I don't remember, drawings from a G&G book or some other shit and just, like, look at totally unrelated things that don't correspond in any way and, like, draw detective inferences from it. So I guess it's consistent in the world of Riverdale that just images on paper have the magic ability to deliver plot information. It's all those horror books he's read Mm -hmm. and constantly references. The serpents then meet, and Kurtz points out that there are gargoyles out there who didn't convert to serpents, and Jughead's insubordination problems seem far from over. Folks, (laughs) Gladys Jones now makes her singing debut. And uh, the playing card tycoon heckles her like a total butthole. But it does bear noting that her voice is sort of chewy. <laughs> chewy is the word that I used in my notes. I just want to know. I feel like the show Riverdale is the one scamming adults into thinking they're stars. Because they keep yes. having these people sing on this goddamn show. And only like two of them are decent. And the rest of them, I'm like, why... Why are you doing this? You know you can just, like, go do karaoke with your friends. You don't have to put it on, a te- like, a television show that is watched internationally, right? You know you don't have to do that? And they're like, nah, we're gonna do it. We're good. We're really good at singing Watch. And then they're not. Like I said, it must be, like, a culture thing backstage. Like, everyone's, like, heckling each other into like, doing eh, music you gotta do your singing scene now, eh. <laughs> And that's yep. just what they do backstage. Gina Gershon has a history of music, I gotta tell you. I'm actually not familiar with her as uh, like a like a celebrity figure, so I will oh, have really? to take your word for that. Even though she's known as a gay icon? I guess I'm getting my gay card revoked. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I don't I don't know who she is. I think I think she's pretty, but the song bad. It was yeah. bad. It was rough. The performance bad. Reggie is nonetheless right in throwing the playing card tycoon's ass out being for being hole? an asshole. However, from a business perspective, imperiling a million dollar deal is pretty questionable. You're being rude to the singer. Let's let's tank this deal. It's a little little bit of a dumb like thing. Like he could have just said, yeah. Hey dude, what if you lay off a little bit? Would have been a start. He's like, No, I'm going straight to kicking. We you got out. places to go with this episode though, so we can't we can't spin our wheels. Uh Betty rolls up in a farm meeting in the woods where it's hot coals walking time. Kevin completes the task and we cut away without finding out anything more. Like we don't get a resolution on the scene of like how the farm is going to react to Betty finding them doing this weird nope. shit. Evelyn just goes, hot coals. No, Kevin, don't stop. And then he finishes walking on the coals. And then they hug, and everyone's wearing the same outfit except for Betty. And they're all wearing yep. bi- white, and Betty's wearing black, and so clearly she's the bad guy in the in the situation. In the, except she's actually the good guy. She's mm. actually the good Makes you guy. Wow, Jesus. Whoa, subverting wow. expectations. Bad guy's wearing white, and good guy's wearing black. This is some next Whoa. level. This is basically. This is basically Kubrick. No one has ever done that before. Ever. In any form of storytelling. Ever. Uh, Jughead then tells Archie of a gargoyle hideout that they have found, and they have helpfully left a kill list on the wall for all the branded sacrifices. Very funny stuff. Archie. Uh, Ricky, the kid, conveniently hiding 
right there, just right there, having heard through some sort of child gang grapevine <laughs> that the gargoyles aren't using the hideout anymore. So, hey, they get Ricky back without even having to do an extra scene. Whoa. Good job, guys. Yeah. You solved the mystery. It's like finding a $20 bill on the street. It's like, hey. Cool. Evelyn and Kevin come to Betty at the Blue and Gold office, seeming to want to run damage control before she publishes something nasty about the cult. Kevin seems to be walking just fine, by the way, just just totally is fine. Unfortunately, Betty's secrets overlap quite a bit with Alice's secrets, so they actually are not doing damage control as much as blackmail. They fucking own her. Okay, but like, if... if... Would she go to jail for the shady man stuff, though? No, but Alice would. Okay, but Alice is fucking up real bad. She's still her mom. It's true. Like, there's there's levels of complication, I think. I, yeah, I understand she clearly that. does. Like, she clearly has like this feeling that she needs to rescue Alice yeah. from this situation rather than like have her punished meet some sort of yeah. some sort of, sort of end, whether it be getting fucked up by a cult or going to jail or whatever. Uh, and so they, they, as long as she still cares about Alice, they basically own her. I just uh, feel like a, the more Betty move would be to call their bluff. Because, like, would they want a member of their church cult thing to go to prison for murder? I feel like maybe they wouldn't. It depends so much on if the cops would get curious about them or not. And, like, Riverdale's track record of law enforcement. Ooh. Uh... Yeah. I mean, maybe uh, FP would actually go after the gargoyles, though, to be fair. Like, he does not like them. Mm -hmm. So, eh, but that's how the scene works. It's a blackmail scene. Ricky tells Archie that he was branded after turning down a demand to run drugs for the gargoyles. Because the younger you are, the less time you spend in in jail. Neat. It's a life hack. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Gotta start committing those crimes day one. Get those crimes in, like, right away. (laughs) In later life, you'll regret it if you don't, really. <laughs> I do. I wish I'd done more crimes as a minor. <laughs> Jughead briefs the OG serpents on their plan to hunt down the, as he puts it, Arlie, do you want to do the honor? Rogue Goyles. <laughs> Which, what got me was just Goyles as a, as a word. Oh, yeah. Was really, like, I was kind of, like, half paying attention to the episode, and I just, like, completely lost my shit because... No one has ever used that as an abbreviation for gargoyles ever before. No. <laughs> that, I, I think, think is an original that. Riverdale uh, <laughs> machination. <laughs> and I enjoyed I, the hell out of it. I had them listed as gargs a couple times in my notes. <laughs> but you not, were so close. But not goyles. And, and so Riverdale has done one original thing in its entire uh, season three run. Yep. Uh, Tony Topaz then busts in on the scene, urgently letting Jughead know that Kurtz is about to kill Fangs Fogarty. Ruh-roh. He he and another gargoyle freak are <laughs> dangling Fangs over a stairwell with by his legs, and they say, "You'll fly too." That cool it reference. It's sort of like you'll float too, uh-huh. which is even lazier Stephen King referencing than we got in the fucking books. It's amazing. Like okay. He asks Georgie, Georgie Denbro asks if the balloons float. And Pennywise says, yes, they all float. And when you're down here with us, you'll float too. You don't just say you'll fly too. Like in reference the two to what? means that there was like another, there was another part to Perhaps it. Perhaps gargoyles as like a species? Are those like fangs needed? Fangs needed to have asked. Do the balloons fly, or do the gargoyles fly, I guess? 
as though you were a five-year-old child curious about the situation rather than terrified then they get to say you'll fly too it's just not good writing (laughs) but (laughs) reference as we all know is peak writing reference doesn't even have to be good (sighs) jughead and sweet pea do manage to stop fangs from getting spiked uh saving his life Gladys and Hiram continue then to walk all over Regionica. It is sad. <laughs> I forgot about Regionica. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's funny. My notes for that part just say, more boring shit at LBN. Yep. <laughs> Fine. That is a sufficient amount of notes when I don't take any, like, there's no fault that I find here. Like, no harm was that's, done. That's no what happened, so... Archie wants to help Ricky find a safe permanent home in what may be the shortest and most pointless scene in recent memory. Like, he just walks in, uh, Ricky's wearing his jacket. He's like, no, you're good. You can wear the jacket. You can keep it. I want to help you. I'm a good guy now, remember? <laughs> Boom. Scene over. Ah. Wait, you forgot. You gotta come meet my dad. Yep. Yeah, he's like, my dad's gonna be part of the solution here. Jughead tells FP about the gargoyle problem and suggests that he's come up with a renewed purpose for the serpents. But instead of saying what this purpose is, he leers at his dad like a total fucking freak. And we cut the scene. (laughs) Spoiler alert. The purpose is dog shit. I don't know what you're talking about. It's a great, great purpose. It makes it is the second. Sense. It is the second beyond the fucking event horizon facial acting thing we've gotten in two episodes from Cole Sprouse, though. Holy shit. He, he, I bet his back fucking hurts all the time from absolutely carrying this show. It's, it's a lot. Get this man a brace. He needs it. Oh, man. I do love how uh, Skeet Ehrlich has managed to parlay his way into just sitting at a desk in one room. <laughs> like, I don't have to do anything but sit at this fucking desk and do a couple lines and then go back. I'm done for the they day. They probably shoot, like, a bunch of his stuff all in one day. And then they're like, Skeet, we need you again. He's like, but I was there last week. <laughs> what could you possibly need me for this week? You know what? Good for him. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, the power that he holds. Veronica offers to employ the peepees as muscle <laughs> for the Bonwe to keep out the two people to whom she owes huge sums of money. This is the worst idea ever. Terrible. Right? Terrible. What did you think was it. gonna happen? It's absolutely this- terrible. Tony, I need you and your tough ladies to beat up my dad. <laughs> and also your uh, sort scary of lady paramours I- mom. Yep, this the scary lady that I owe money to. Alice has sold the house. Another micro scene here. But I, it's, it's much more tolerable where they're peppered through instead of just coming one after another after another. I want to ask, is this like the seventh Serpents meeting in this episode now? There's so many I, of them. I don't know. But also, an escrow doesn't mean you, that you've like officially sold the house. It could still fall through. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I just... It... All I have learned is that buying or selling a house is like diffusing a bomb while drunk and hanging from one ankle dangling by a rope. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mostly that. Um, also, it's, it I, I, I want to know why the fuck Alice is being her own agent when it has never even been alluded to that she might have a real estate license. Like you, yeah, you actually need that's... like a, like a, <laughs> like a formal license to do that. Not in Riverdale. Riverdale. Checkmate. It's Riverdale. It's Riverdale. <sighs> Forget it, Arlie. It's Riverdale. Anyway. The show has broken we... me. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. So the serpents are meeting again. And now they are being deputized as partners with the sheriff's department, which it. is both uh, cool and legal. And definitely what gang members want to do is be cops. Like, that's the, that's the opposite of everything that yeah, gangs yeah. stand for. Jughead, we're the robbers, though. For for good and for better and for worse, like the the, the gangs are just the to- total opposite of cops. Mm-hmm. Kurtz walks, the only one not interested in being. There's the uh, damn door. Attaches to the sheriff's department. Yeah, I guess. not interested. He's the only one with fucking morals. It's ridiculous. Oh, I don't want to be a little fucking cop. I'm not gonna be a little fascist piggy pig. Fuck you. <laughs> Although, to be fair, his objection is probably much less about fascism and much more about drugs, drugs, drugs. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. 100%. I have other interests. Chemical ones. <laughs> what a stupid little man. Yeah. Archie gets a call from Miss Weiss. That's the social worker whose name I forgot earlier in this episode. How could you have uh, possibly Ricky turns forgotten out, that? You, of all people. I don't know. Are you ready? Ricky is Joaquin's younger brother. Oh. Ah, social services just forgot his name because that way we could have this be a reveal later. Well, that's why, oh. yeah, because his name written on the wall was Ricky D. <laughs> Ricky D. I Ooh. saw that. Ricky I saw D. That, and I went, Ricky D's nuts because, to myself yeah, in course. a dark room alone uh, because that's that's what watching this show plus the pandemic has done to me <laughs> yep yep yeah yep yeah so joaquin's younger brother literally like he's on file he's a ward of the state and they just like neglected to remember what his name was so that they could later do it here it's so bad apparently he has a history of violence and self-harm and as we learn this information like literally the moment that archie is on the phone having this conversation ricky vanishes to create horror movie ambiance Mm-hmm. Like so they were, dumb. they were just sitting down playing PlayStation. Archie yes. stands up to take a call. This is a uh, this is reminiscent of his going to the corner of the room character <laughs> arc from earlier. Like this is a my buddy has taken a phone call and I have become evil. I just like as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, he has a knife now, doesn't he? And yep, then he, he sure did. does have a knife now, <laughs> and uh, he wants to kill Archie to get himself let into the gargoyles so that they will play G and G with him. Um. Hey. He did the he did the brand to himself to be cool Dude. for his he he wants so badly to be cool enough to play Dungeons and Dragons that he branded his own flesh. It's okay, I right. can't like speak too uh, poorly about that because I do have a, a, a tattoo commemorating an RPG <laughs> that another person but in it this was call good. wrote. Um, it was good though. Um, and there's there's was, some sentimental value there too. It was continues to be good, but yeah, yeah. also. Um, <laughs> have either of y'all ever met someone this um with a uh, I don't want to be derogatory so uh hardcore uh <laughs> in the game space I don't think not in the so. game space no no like I branded myself so that I could get a spot at a fucking D&D game Cert- certainly shit. wouldn't do it for D&D no Ricky bounces as Fred comes home they find a kill the red paladin quest card. Oh, you forgot he like actually did slash Archie. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did in fact cut Archie. He doesn't fortunately know how to use the knife, so Archie's basically. And then he's fine, like, but... "Is that how my brother stabbed you?" And I'm like, "You didn't stab him, you dumb piece of shit." That's not how stabbing does. He... Yeah, no, he's uh, That's he's doing not slashes. How stabbing does. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it was it was very funny to me, and it, a scene that was absolutely not meant to be funny, but I was laughing my ass off. 
There was a lot of unintended comedy, uh, very problematic unintended comedy in this episode. Uh, Cheryl bows out of the first night of PP Casino Night uh, security duty, and the Choney angst continues. Love it. Gladys gets checked by the PP presence, and Hiram conveniently shows up to get his bite of the shit sandwich right after. (laughs) Betty, a fool, is about to burn her palm with a candle. (laughs) Because she saw someone do it. I it so much. I was like, Betty! Betty, what are you doing? Like you this can't be the first time. Betty here, where like she cannot be in the presence of something dark or hardcore or edgy without like trying. It's it. so. It's like you have to have experienced that before, though. Like right. Like I feel like it's not uncommon, at least at some point in childhood, to, to put your like, hand near fire. a source of intense heat. You you probably know what that is like. So like, but she's interrupted oh, by Alice. And then looks around the house while some ominous music plays and she's holding a candle. Folks, I'm sure that she's just looking for the right place to set down the candle. Well, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Jughead intends to use the abandoned gargoyle lair as a new serpent's HQ. All you gotta do is take down all the impaled doll legs. <laughs> he then suggests to Archie that they may need to bring the fight to the gargoyle king since he's sending creepy murder children at him and stuff. Betty seems very cheery. In this scene, she's also there. It is clear that she has set the house on fire. Alice comes home to see that Betty has, in fact, set the house on fire. She's a fire starter. And that is the end. Wicked fire starter. Hey, hey, hey. I I just want to know what's up with the ladies uh, doing arson in this show. To their own homes, no less. Yeah. But uh, yeah. also, here's the thing. Both times that that's happened in this show... The, the the teenage girls who have done the arson made like zero move to uh remove their own possessions from the home that they set on fire mm-hmm. um and i'm like maybe i'm just a materialistic person uh because of the way that i was brought up but that's a problem for me i don't think i'd be cool yeah. with that i think i would have a real hard time not even like attempting to get my items out of the building before burning it down mm-hmm Speaking of burning it down, um, let's try to, like, survive the frustration of finding Riverdews here. Uh, Arlie, you may begin. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> this will shock no one. <laughs> My Riverdew is the way that Jughead says goyles. <laughs> you know what? That is a very thin Riverdew in some environments. In this episode... I have negative amounts of problems with something that small being the Riverdew. Like, this episode sucks shit end to end. It it doesn't have maybe, like, the very worst shit we've ever seen. Like, this is not Mad World. This is not Lost Weekend stuff. But, like... It's batting at such a horrible average. It's just, like... The consistency is horrifying. It's terrible. Um, I, It brought me such intense joy... For a moment that it, it had to be my Riverdew. My runner-up is, um, uh, actually, I'll save my runner-up after everyone else is gone, just in case someone else says it, but yeah. As I said to Arlie last night, this episode didn't suck as hard as some other episodes, but it sucked steadily without stopping for breath. All the way through through for its entire runtime it's really an accomplishment it's the jason Voorhees of sucking fucking ass <laughs> yep it cannot be stopped quinnifer i believe it's your turn okay so my riverdue unfortunately came like 30 seconds into the episode <laughs> oh that's a, that's a rough go 
So it peaked early for me. Oh, no. And that, I'm so sorry for your loss. That early peak was when Betty's like, oh, yeah, you know those murders? This is the house where the murderer lived and, like, tried to do murders. That was my it's runner. It's the Black Hood so. house. So... And it's like, okay, Very good, funny. make that work. Like, you make that happen, because nothing worthwhile happened in this episode. Yeah, it, it was a it was a funny, funny bit at the beginning. Rob, I've just uh, remembered, and... the house was bought by an anonymous buyer, which I don't think that you mentioned. Mm, no, it's, it's true, it was bought, it's it, it was one of those anonymous buyers, which is funny because, like, this was made a while ago in today's housing market i'm like yeah of course it was like it was like a over list price instant cash offer by like some group that just has like a company name like that's how houses get bought now because it's all fucking like investor speculation Uh, established capital competing with young families trying to get their start it's great it's all good and perfect and nothing bad's gonna happen uh but yeah wait for that housing market crash it's coming Uh, anyway yeah, it, it's probably coming. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, I, I guess I have to have a river do. That's <laughs> you do, unfortunately. That's rough. It is how the show. That's it's really in the rough. title of the show. This is. I might lose some points from from the harsher judges here because this is a river do that is literally just because it is so stupid. It made me very entertained. Uh, but my river do is Veronica hiring the peepees as <laughs> enforcers at the Bonwe to literally physically menace and or assault the people to whom she owes money. Yeah. Uh, that is the dumbest shit I've heard in my entire life. It's so, so funny. It's framed as a good idea in the narrative, and it at least initially works. And I laughed a lot. I laughed a lot at, the, at them being like, oh, well, I may owe you thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, but now I have scary teenagers to beat you up. I mean, I guess you could argue that, like, if one of the adults fought back, that would be, like, uh, that would be a problem for them legally, but uh, still not a good idea. The fact that the money is owed remains. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> um, I also think the it's maybe... episode does not handle <gasps> that. Oh, goodness. Weeaboo. I also think that perhaps the uh, that extorting teenagers is not a thing that's legal to do. But uh, what do I know? It's Riverdale, so it's also Crime Town. Who's to say? Who could say? But yeah, that's my Riverdale. It's just that the dumbest shit ever happened and it was funny. <laughs> um, my River don't. It's tough to say this week. It's all bad is the problem. Yes. I, I think that I'm actually going to change it from what I had originally written down. Um, just because the all of the cult stuff makes me very uncomfortable. Especially in this portion of the show. Just like the the uh, the fire walking with Kevin scene was... Uh, didn't like that at all. It was real bad, actually. Hated it. Not to mention it's just yet another instance of a character who is not a straight male character having their characterization instantly tanked by something yeah yeah, yeah. there's there's Mm -hmm. that but also just like the cult stuff in general i don't know i was fine until evelyn was like brother kevin and then i was like nope hate this it's 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 spooky it's spooky (laughs) my river don't was everything with Ricky. I mean, it was everything. But it was everything yeah. with Ricky. Like, Ricky was just so irresponsibly handled. Like, playing with all of those, like, intense, heavy themes. 
just completely irresponsible. Like child endangerment, self harm, a kid with like violent tendencies that will like assault people with weapons, cult stuff. Like it's all there, and it sucks. And it was just none of it was handled with any gravity at all. Like it was just it was just stuff for the episode. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Also, the kid doesn't know what stabbing is, which is no. pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, poor kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> my river don't is. Cheryl just yeah. sucking just being like it's only been a couple of episodes <sighs> since she literally created the pretty poisons I'm sorry the peepees as a gift to like give Tony a sense of community that she lost because Cheryl got them kicked out of the serpents like she literally was doing that like as an apology mm-hmm. And now she's, like, being possessive over it and using it as a way of getting, like, weird leverage over her girlfriend for a conflict that I simply don't understand. It's just, it's it's completely anti-motivated, makes no sense, and sucks. Mm-hmm. It's, it's terrible. It's extremely bad. And it makes me very angry. Um, yeah, it's, it's bad. Yeah, very bad. it was... Mm-hmm. We don't need this to be happening with Kevin and Cheryl and Alice all at once. No, no really pick one. Everyone just sucks for no reason. Pick one, like, Riverdale writer's room. You get one, and even then, I don't like it. Um, so my weekly weird is is uh, the deputizing. It's very, because, it's very inexplicable. <laughs> because what? What? Mm-hmm. Gangs and cops are historically at odds with one another. Um... So I, I don't think traditionally that, like, a sheriff's department would employ teenage gang members. And they're not just volunteering. Like, they're paying them. They're actually genuinely employing them. And everyone's so fine weird. with this, apparently. Except Kurtz. The one man of honor. Uh, the drugs man. <laughs> I don't know if he's um, a man of honor. Uh, he's a man of drugs. Yes. This much we mm-hmm. know. Drugs are God. Drugs are life. So, from what fuzzed your brain this time? For me, when? what didn't? It's the simple fact that if, as Ricky implies, not he doesn't even imply it, he outright states that if he actually wrote his name below Archie's on the thing, he's an incredibly adept forger for like a ten-year-old. <laughs> that is in the same font. It's exactly the same. That's like true. it is in the same handwriting. It was wild. Ricky D. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I, I yeah. Continuing my legacy, I appreciate it. Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh just yeah. nothing with that kid makes sense. I hadn't or thought about it. Well. I mean, I guess you could possibly argue that he clearly has some artistic talent based on the horrifying thing he drew in crayon at Pops. Um but even so mm-hmm. it's uh a little, little spooky. Spooky little kid. I have a runner up weekly weird. Which is just the scene that Pop describes to Archie <laughs> about <laughs> The thug slamming on the glass and being like, give us the child. Mm -hmm. But my true weekly weird is when Betty and Archie meet with Miss Weiss, it's two things. It's the fact that they have a conception sketch instead of a picture uh, and the missing last name thing. And the fact that Archie is illegally harboring this child who is a ward of the state and the social worker is fucking fine with it. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's cool, I guess. Like, yeah, that sounds like perfectly good enough until we come up with something else. The The home that he's from is one of the good homes, like one of the better rated ones. But I don't care if you just keep him. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very, very, very weird. Strange. Yeah. 
Um, folks, these were, uh, neither this nor the last episode were particularly Real good. stunkers. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't feel like I need to necessarily apologize for that myself. No, you didn't write but, these episodes. Um, but hey, 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 next time we're going for one written by the man himself, Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa. Oh, man. For chapter 50, American Dreams. Oh, Look my. forward to whatever the fuck oh, that is. Oh, dear. Look forward to whatever the fuck that is. Oh, God. Uh, I'm going to get yelled at by a dog now because it's uh, dinner time. (laughs) So, uh, folks, for River Do's and River Don'ts, I've been Rob. Thank you so much. (laughs) That's Weeaboo. I've been Quinn. Keep it greasy and loose. (laughs) Just like that bacon. Um, And I've been Arlie. (laughs) Bacon was in a different episode. And we three shall slurp the bacon with y'all next time. Uh, All right. Bye. (laughs) Bye.